0: I'm Matt Pridemore and welcome to The Franchise Maker. As someone who came from a middle class family, I never knew it was possible to have this level of success. If someone like me can create wealth, then anyone can. The world of franchising is wide open and full of opportunity. I'm going to show you how you can change your life by owning and building a franchise and how simple it truly is not only will i give you the advice and tools to build on your own but also will interview some of the most successful folks in franchising today to hear their story join me each week for the franchise maker you are listening to the franchise builder with matt PrideMore. welcome in we've got a very special show today very excited for what you guys are uh, going to get to hear Uh, our guest today Is a leader of the root of all success. He is a successful educator turned entrepreneur, um, especially gifted as a teacher, and uh, basically teaches exit strategy to owner operators. He uh, has been on the uh, Entrepreneur 360 list for top entrepreneurial companies in America. That is absolutely amazing, Uh, as well as TRJD Enterprises. uh, That you know, like I said, they they focus on helping uh, owner operators move into the owner investor stage. Uh, So many accolades that, you know, from uh, Inc. Magazine 5000 list of fastest growing privately held companies in America. We could go on and on all day long. But without further ado, I would like to introduce the real Jason Duncan.
1: What's going on, sir? Hey, man. Glad to be here, Matt. It's good to be on your show, dude. This is going to be fun.
0: Very excited! Thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, this is, you know, especially close to my heart, uh, as you know, I'm I'm actually literally in the process. The timing going on here is pretty cool. Um, you know, all the listeners, you know, know that that I've got uh, 12, 13 uh, furniture stores, uh, several different other uh, companies that I run outside of that, with some appliance repair things, some real estate ventures that we've gotten into. Um, but trying to figure out uh, how to get to that owner-investor stage. And so many of our listeners are sitting in, you know, they're punching the time clock for someone else right now. They're trying to figure out how do I get into business for myself? And, you know, obviously I like to push towards the the franchisee part of it because I believe that, you know, the processes that are pre-built out, a lot of those mistakes that I had to make early on and uh, I'm sure you had to, to make early on, uh, a lot of those are done, you know they're they're in a box. They're ready to go and and scale to market. But um, like I said, thank you so much for coming on and And uh, we talk about the journey uh, a lot of times in business, and I would love for you to, to just take a couple of minutes and who is Jason Duncan and uh, you know what where did your journey start and and uh, what do you have going on these days?
1: So I started my entrepreneurial journey back in 1995 or 96. <clears throat> my wife and I got married in '95. We were really young, 20 and 19 years old. Uh, I was a youth minister at the time. I spent 13 years in ministry, and and for whatever reason, I decided to start start this company uh, designing websites. Now, if you think about that in terms of <laughs> of, of the World Wide Web was brand new in 1995. Yeah. Uh, and, and I didn't know what I was doing. I went to this conference and this company was selling, Hey, you can be your own web designer, blah, blah, blah. Well, I did it. And it was a flop. You know, I made, it. you know, it was, it was a total flop and I didn't revisit entrepreneurship until, uh, until 2010. (laughs) So it went from, you know, 95 to 2010, but I spent 13 years in ministry. Then I went back to school, got a master's degree in education, started teaching school and thought I would be an educator for the rest of my life. It's uh, where I found my superpower as a as a teacher, uh, but due to budget cuts coming out of the Great Recession and to you know in that 2010, time frame, my contract didn't get renewed for the following year. They had to cut teachers. I didn't have tenure, even though I was the number one teacher in the district in my in my subject area. That they made decisions based on tenure. So I found myself having to make a decision: what am I going to do next? And uh, there was nowhere I could get a teaching job. Nobody was hiring teachers. And so I thought, well, I'm going to give a shot at running my own company. And so I started this company. Uh, It's called today. It's still called Energy Lighting Services to this day. Started the company. And within a few years, it turned into a multi-million dollar company. We were very profitable. I went from unemployed school teacher to millionaire, just, uh, you know, just a a short period of time and uh, built this a magnificent company. Uh, And then this is kind of where it leads to today, Matt, is that um, I guess it was about seven years into that venture before I realized that, that my why at the beginning was simply to survive and my why changed later to, I wanna thrive and I wanna build something that's a legacy more than me, but I was trapped. I was trapped by my company spending 50, 60, 70 hours a week working, being the center of everything going on in the company and I thought, well, how do I get out of this? I'll sell it. Well, if you are the middle of the company your company isn't worth anything. If you're the guy running everything, if there's no processes, no systems, no team in place, and that's effectively what happened to me. So I decided to take what I knew on how to build systems and processes and accelerated an exit without selling the company. And so that's what I was able to do. I accomplished that full exit in 2020. Uh, I still own the company, still receive the tax benefits, still receive all the financial benefits, ownership benefits, but I don't have any operational oversight and control. And now I just go teach other people how to do what I did. And I'm starting other companies. I've, I own four other companies now. I'm about to close on another e-commerce brand and I'm getting to live the exit lifestyle, which is what I help other people do now.
0: That is so beautiful. Uh, you know, oftentimes we, you know, we, we hear that or you know, our own plans, we kind of get on this one road of saying, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it this way. And then God just kind of has these other plans for us. Um, was that kind of what happened in that between 1995 and 2010? Was there, was there something where you felt like you were trying to go one direction and God was leading you in a different direction?
1: No. And that's a, that's a very fair question. But the answer to that is no. I, I feel like that, you know, I, I follow Jesus, I always have my whole life. And I, and I feel like that when, when Father God leads people, he, like if Z is the ultimate destination and you're sitting on A. All right, Right. Z is the destination. That's his ultimate goal for you. And he's not predestined it, but he's like, this is what I want for you. My 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 version of how I explain that to people is that you can't he can't take you a to Z, bam, just like that, because your mind can't even comprehend it. You wouldn't even know what Z looked like. You don't even understand it. And if he popped you into Z, it's like going into the fifth dimension. You wouldn't understand it. So I believe that you go through this process, A to B, B to C, C to D and so on. And so for me, it was building um, building my ability to lead and to mold people and to inspire and to teach through those years of ministry. And then I got absolutely fed up with the, the institutional church and couldn't do ministry anymore. I was like, I got I to go somewhere where I can make a difference. That's why I went to teach school. And that was another part on the journey. I don't know what letter it was, but it was somewhere in those letters. And And then he led me, to, to open a company. And that, that's been a fantastic journey. Well, now it's like, well, the multiple companies. So I don't know what letter I'm on, but I I, I'll, I know it's not Z. I'm not there. There's so much more in store. And I don't feel like I was working against God. I was working with him and all of this the whole time.
0: Now, I, I see where you're going there. Where within that, you know, once you kind of got back in in 2010, from the business ownership side, um, you know, you were on the, the, the owner-operator side of it. Uh, how how far into that was it before you really started to fill out the, the whole scale process?
1: So, well, so when I started the company in, in 2010, um, we really made a big leap to do the version of, comp- like when we originally started the company, it was one version. We were doing energy efficiency, uh, alternative energy creation, et cetera. And then in 2011, when I fully exited the school system, that's when we started doing LED lighting, which is what we still do to this day. And then in 2017, we opened up a electrical contracting division in the Nashville market. So we, uh, we we made all those changes throughout the years. But it was in 2017 18 where I started to wake up to the fact that I was trapped by that. Like I didn't hire my first employee until 20. I think it was 24. No, it was 2012. hired No. And anyway, 2012, 13, 14, somewhere around there is when I hired my first employee. And then we grew and grew and grew, but I had great employees. Things were going good, but I was stuck. And, and, and I thought, well, how do I build it in a way to get out of here? And it took me about 18 months to figure out how to do that. But now I know how to do it. And I've got clients that do it much, much faster than that. But that, I think that's what you were asking me is like, how did I do it? But that's, that's kind of the time frame.
0: Well, and I I've talked to a lot of people that are, that are in business and uh, you know that that are those owner operators to this day, and they do feel like they they're kind of spinning their wheels, and they're not sure what that first step is to take. But would you say it's literally to to kind of take themselves out of the business, is just kind of get away from the front lines? Is that kind of where where you're going with that?
1: Yeah, because if you go back and ask people why they started their business, you know sometimes they'll answer well, it was to make an impact, or perhaps it was to solve a specific problem, maybe you wanted to take care of your family. Uh, but what it all boils down to for most entrepreneurs when they start companies, whether they uh, are starting buying a franchise like what you you're specializing in or whether they're starting from scratch, you know, building it, bootstrapping it, whatever it is, they usually say, I want more time, more money. That's what they want. And they want to be their own boss. Like those are usually the, the versions of what I hear. Why did you start your company? I wanted more time, more, more money, and I want to be my own boss. Well, the reality is that most people, and you know this, Matt, I know you've probably experienced it yourself and you've seen your fellow entrepreneurs do the same thing, is the more time thing, Is the least of what they get. They don't get any new time. As a matter of fact, they trade a nine to five that they had before they started their company for a 24 seven because entrepreneurship can be 24 seven if you don't build it right. And then the money thing, maybe, maybe not. Maybe you make more money, maybe you don't. Some people do, some people don't. I certainly made a heck of a lot more money as an entrepreneur than I did as a school teacher. I think my first tax bill as an entrepreneur was um, greater than my previous salary as a teacher. Uh, which, which is a cool story. But I'm sad to say that I didn't structure my business in such a way to maximize tax savings, which I now do. (laughs) So so I pay less. taxes. So
0: so as part of your coaching and teaching, is that something that do you get into the weeds like that with, with structure of the business, as far as like the taxes and how, how to even structure, you know, LLCs or corporations or things like that? Or are you more, where,
1: where do you go with that? Well, I, yeah, absolutely. Because you use the term in the weeds. Do I get in the weeds with them? Yes, I have to, because that's where they are. And I have to lift them out of the weeds. I want to get business owners out of the weeds. You got to get out of the weeds. You're never going to live the ideal life. What I call the exit lifestyle. If you look up hashtags, the exit lifestyle, you'll see what I'm talking about. But to get out of the weeds, I got to get in there with you. So what I do is I get in the weeds with my clients. Now, the clients engage with me in different ways. I've got some hire me one-on-one. They want private. They want private coaching and they want access to me whenever they, whenever they need something. Right. And that's one engagement. And I'm definitely in the weeds with these people, but then there's, I do group coaching. I do, uh, I do some live trainings on a regular basis, depending on what level you come into. But yes, most definitely. I talk about those things. I share with people. I've got a pretty substantial network of tax advisors, attorneys, insurance people, uh, contract, contract specialists. And I help my clients figure all that stuff out. I had a client call me yesterday and he said, hey, man, uh, uh, two of my employees called or my contractors called and want their 1099s. What is that? What do I need? <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm like, OK, well, here's here's the deal. Here's, do you have a record of how much you have paid them in 2021? He, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, OK, go to the IRS. And I told him what to do. I said, but. That's your short term solution. And legally, you're not obligated to, re- to send that to them until the end of this month. So you got a couple of weeks. And we're in, we're in the middle of January right now during this recording. You got a couple of end of January, you got to send them out. I said, but you could do that on your own right now, but you need a bookkeeper and accountant to do that. You, you can't be the person doing that. It's ridiculous. That's being way too in the weeds. So I'm working with him on that. I've got another guy, uh, another client of mine who um, is setting up a new business. And we're talking through tax structures, you know, LLC versus, uh, you know, straight LLC as a sole proprietor or a single member right. LLC versus an S-Corp, which most people don't understand the S-Corp is not the structure, it's the tax identity. It's the tax version. It's so, and you know that I know that, but a lot of entrepreneurs think S corp is different than LLC. No, technically an S corp is just a tax filing. LLC is still the structure. So people don't understand that. So I help them and I'm not an accountant. I'm not an attorney, but I've been through this for, you know, over a decade. I know how to structure those businesses. I help people write operating agreements and, you know, I almost went bankrupt through a partner termination myself. So I know how to structure it so that you don't have to deal with what I dealt with. So, yes, I get in the weeds with my clients and help them get out of the weeds.
0: So typically when a when an owner operator comes to you and says, Jason, I, I need help, man. I You know, I, I don't want to be an owner operator anymore, but I, I can't sell my company at this point. Are, are most of them just trying to go start a new business or? you know, what, what, what's a, a typical owner operator that comes to you looking for to, to not be an owner operator anymore?
1: I think a lot of, I think a lot of that, Matt, uh, uh, Matt depends on what, what stage is their business in now? So if I've got a, I've got a client whose company, uh, one of his multiple companies does a hundred million dollars in annual revenue. Okay. So that guy is at a different stage than the guy who's doing a couple hundred thousand a year as a single shingle, right? So those two guys need completely different things. So when they come to hire me, the $100 million a year guy may say, what I need is your help in getting my business prepared for a life-changing exit um, where, where I can sell this thing for." 50, $60 50, $60 million, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever that number is, right? That, mm-hmm. that guy needs a different, he's coming in for a different reason where these guy on the first, the front end of that spectrum, where he's a single shingle, maybe has a couple of employees, little, little, you know, he's doing less than a million dollars in revenue. What he needs from me is Jason, how do I structure this business today? So that at some point in the future, I can start another company and then another company and then another company. Most of the people on the probably 1 million to say 5 million range in revenue. They're looking at me and they're saying, I want to get out of the weeds of this one because I want to start another one. I want to do another one. And I want to do another one, which is like me and you, I own multiple businesses, right. you own multiple businesses. That's that's the excitement of entrepreneurship. Why did I start three or four other companies when I exited my last one? Because I love the the thrill of starting it. Well, but if you're at a hundred million dollars in revenue you might or might not be interested in starting another company. What you might be interested in now is making generational impact through mission work or volunteer work or starting a nonprofit. That guy's looking for something different. But either way, I will accelerate it. That's my specialty. I help excel. I help accelerate the exit no matter what you're trying to do.
0: I like it. So you talked about your your why changing over time, and I know my why has changed over the course of time as well. Um, but you know, where, where do you see kind of your, your next, your next steps being, um, as, as far as, you know, to, to feel like you've been successful, uh, again, you know, if you're, if you're starting new companies, are you starting new companies for, you know, for, for someone that has added value to your life? Are you doing it, uh, specifically, uh, you know, for, for yourself, do you look, do you look at those things with, with people that are employees of yours of, of trying to get them their their own businesses? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I think that a part of that is I'd like to see the employees who come to work for me to be, um, to be able to do their own thing later. But the reality is that 99% of the people who work for me are not entrepreneurs. There never will be entrepreneurs. And that doesn't devalue them as humans. It's just the difference. Exactly. I, I had a conversation with my son. He's 21. I was talking to him a year or so ago about entrepreneurship versus employment. And uh, he's an employee, has no aspirations for entrepreneurship, which disappoints me because I'm an entrepreneur, but not because I think it's less valuable. So I want to make that clear. But, he, sure. but, but we were having this conversation and I told him, I said, man, we, the world needs both. If there weren't any entrepreneurs and we we're all employees, employees of what? Like it takes the entrepreneur to get the thing started. The, the, the fact that we're on a Zoom right now, an entrepreneur somewhere started that. And that's why they have thousands of employees now that could do it. Otherwise there would be nowhere to work. But on the other hand, I, I, Zoom couldn't have started. Your companies couldn't start without employees, you know, being there to help support it. So we both need each other. So my employees, I'm not necessarily starting these businesses to give my, my employees opportunities to start their own. Although I encourage it. I actually had to lay off a guy, um, you Now it's been four or five years ago, we, we had a, a client that stiff us on a, a, a little over a million and a half dollars and it put a huge cash crunch on cash flow and I had to make the call I had to go and, and, and lay this guy off and, and he understood what was going on but but because I knew his, you know what he wanted to do I said dude if you, if you want to start this thing that you've been wanting to do. I feel bad that I'm having to lay you off, but just know I'm an investor for you. You let me know. I'll come in and help you do that thing. Now, ultimately he chose not to do it, but I would have been interested in helping him do that. But the reason I do what I do is that, you know, I, I know that my mission in life is to use my gifts of teaching and leadership to help other people get the results they want out of life. So that's it. So as a coach, as a business owner, as a father, as a husband, I want to use the gifts that father God gave me to be a teacher and to be a leader, to help them get what they want out of life. And what they want is what's important. It's not what I want. And I made that mistake of trying to force my coaching clients in the past into what I wanted. And they fired me because I I was forcing them into what I wanted. And and that's when I had to get clarity. You you learn by failure. And I failed. There was at least one client, good friend of mine still, but I failed him and he fired me because he thought, listen, Jason, you're asking me to do things I don't want to do and taking me down a road. I don't want to go. And that was a great thing for me because it made me think, oh, crap, I'm I was way too wrapped up in my ideal life for my client rather than his. So now I'm very clear that my mission is use my gifts of teaching and leadership to help my clients and other people get the results that they want out of life.
0: Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, Um, no, I I love that sentiment. Um, And I think a lot of entrepreneurs get really scared. You know, if somebody on their team chooses to leave and go start a new chapter and and go somewhere else. I, you know, w- one part of that. Yeah, I, I've always been a cheerleader for somebody if they do want to go. You know, go to another company and, and do some other things. If they brought massive value to my company, you know, I'm I'm going to be you know just as happy for them no matter where they go as long as as long as they are bettering themselves on that journey. And uh, you know, I'm I'm totally a cheerleader on that side. And uh, w- with with that being said, the people that do you know, come to work for you and maybe go, go somewhere else. Do you, do you have those people that try to hold on to you as a mentor when, when they're not, not an employee of yours?
1: I think what you're asking there is about uh, how do I mentor other people besides just employees. And I, I've got a, I've, I've got an apprenticeship program that I started a uh, year and a half ago. And my okay. apprenticeship program is called P P E A P called, it stands for professional entrepreneur apprenticeship program. And I bring in guys that are tw- uh, young men, 22 to 29 years old, who have an aspiration to own a business, entrepreneur, entrepreneurship aspirations. And I bring them in and, I, and I've got a one-year program that they come in and we do a 90-day onboarding, a 90-day kind of getting them up to running, and then 180-day trying to really think things through. And I pay them a very small stipend, uh, but then I give them the opportunity to do a revenue share with me on the back end. And, uh, at there, there's four potential exits for those guys at the end of that year. Number one, they could just leave and part ways and then, you know, whatever, go do your own thing. The second, the second way they can exit is they can stay on as an employee of one of my companies. If they, if they ultimately decide they're an employee, not an entrepreneur, that's fine. If they're good and adding value, I'll, I'll hang, I'll hang on to them and they could stay in number, number three type of exit is that they can. Start their own company. They've got their own idea. They want to do it, and I'm the investor and a partner in that. And I'll help them get it going. It's their own thing, but I'll be part of the part of that company as an investor and advisor. Or fourth is they like one of my companies so much that they want to run that company, and I'll bring them in as a minority partner on that company, and then let them help me run that company. And I've done that. Uh, I've you know I only started a year and a half ago, so I've only had uh, two two apprentices going through the program and we had varying degrees of success throughout that process. Um, but I, but I think what's going to happen over time is that that's going to provide entrepreneurship training for those young men that'll change their life forever, whether or not they end up being with me after the year program or not, it's going to change their life forever. I even had uh, my last apprentice that was with me. We started an e-commerce company together. I, I said, look, I, like first week he's on staff on staff with me. I'm thinking, you know, I've been wanting to do an e-com company. Let's get started. I want you to run it like this is how we're going to go do it. Report back to me once a week. Now, of course I delegated appropriately and trained him, but that company is still active today. And, uh, again, varying degrees of success. Had I been running, it it would be been different if he was running it, but I love to invest in people. I think that's one of the keys to being able to exit your company.
0: Yes. I, I love that. Love that sentiment. Um, you bring up a very interesting point with keeping them on as employees. Is that something that you talk to them about about staying on as an employee after the apprenticeship? Do you talk about that at the beginning of the program?
1: Yeah, they that we we it's very formal. We do uh, there's an agreement, a contract that they sign on the the PEEP program, and it show it very clearly outlines. Here's, here's your responsibilities on a day-to-day basis. You have to give me 30 hours a week. If you want to work nights and weekends to, to pay your bills, that's fine because the one money I'm paying, you'll probably just keep gas in your car and that's about it. Um, now, if you are in revenue share on the back end, you start doing great. That's a different story, but the, the stipend I'm going to pay is very small. So they, they got to give me 30 hours of their week. They can work the other 10 or 20 doing something else. But they, they know in the contract up front, this is what I expect. This is what you're going to be doing. And here's your four potential exits. And at 90 days, when we do the review of that first 90 days, I sit down with them and say, okay, how, did, how is it going? What do you think? what are you, you know Based on what you're seeing now, which of these four exits do you think you're going to be interested in you know three quarters of a year from now? And sometimes they know, sometimes they don't. And then we sit down again at the second 90 days, which is six months in. And at that point, I need them to make a decision which one are we leaning towards? Because if you're leaning towards employee and we're going to go this route, if you're leaning towards one of the others, I'm going to go towards this route. And then by the time we get to the end, hopefully we've got it all figured out and we can, we can take them exactly where they want to go. But again, it goes back to my mission is I want to help them get the results they want, not what I want.
0: I like that a lot. So w- with that being said, and with it being a more formal process, Um, do you, one of the things that I run into on my end is the, the whole instant gratification, uh, part of, of being an employee that, you know, they feel like they, they, you know, they did well for a couple of months. So, you know, they, they should, they should get, you know, uh, get promoted or get a raise or whatever, but you know, the, the, the ebbs and flows that go along with the journey, you know, it's, it's not instant gratification. Would you say that by having that, um, that formal process built into there, and that that ninety day review, does that help you know with the expectations and and the and their engagement on their end? Yeah. Um, to 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 slow down that whole you know uh, in it to win it instant gratification.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I I think yes. The answer to that is yes. The the biggest problem I'm having uh, with the program is that what people in that age range think entrepreneurship is versus what it actually is is such a wildly, there's such a wild difference between what they think and what it is, is they're a little shocked by it. So my very first ever apprentice actually was a former student of mine, believe it or not. It was, it, it, and it was funny how it worked out. He reached out to me cold through LinkedIn to ask a question about something. And, and I positioned it back to him and said, Hey, you know, I knew you when you were in eighth grade, but now you're an adult, you're married, and you know, but would you be interested in this? He was in his early twenties, mid twenties, and he was like, yeah, I would love to do that. Well, about 90 days into that, he was like, nope, I do not want to do this. I would rather be digging ditches for a living. And that's literally what he went and did. Um, and, and that's cool. Like he figured it out. It took him 90 days of running through entrepreneurship with me to figure out that this wasn't his thing. So that that is something that I think the program benefits. Now, to my loss, I lost a good, productive, quality employee who was helping me <laughs> do stuff. Uh, but that's, you know, that's why I I can go out and find another, another apprentice. And so I'm actually um, hoping to get, bring on another apprentice by Q2 this year. So if anybody listening, if you're a male, 22 to 29 years old, live in the Nashville area, or would relocate on your own to Nashville for this experience, all you got to do is hit me up on my website and I'll be happy to talk to you about it.
0: Yeah. And so what is your, your website just to make sure that everybody hears that?
1: TheRealJasonDuncan.com, so the theRealJasonDuncan.com, and uh, I think it's slash peep p e a p where you can read about it. But either way, I'm not sure if that's the right <laughs> the right slug on the URL. But you can find me. The Peep program is there in my services, and um, you know, I, I I thought about bringing somebody on the beginning of January, but I've got so many new initiatives happening right now. It's all that my team and I can do to keep everything running. I I can't afford to add another human to the pot to, to train. So taking the quarter off and maybe bring somebody on the beginning of, beginning of April.
0: Yep, um, I get it. Uh, so from, uh, you know, we, we've talked about the coaching, we've talked about the different businesses that you've got. And, uh, you know, the, the other side to it is, you know, you've got a podcast as well that's going now. Uh, would, I would be remiss if I didn't bring that up, but uh, the root of all success. And uh, how, how long have you uh, been? How long have you had the, that podcast going?
1: I started that podcast, i recorded my very first guest ever on Christmas week of 2020. So I recorded uh, my first guest in 2020. I just finished recording last week my 71st guest. Um, Right now we we release The Root of All Success. It's syndicated on the C-Suite Radio Network, so it's on all podcast players. It's on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash TheRealJasonDuncan. You can watch the episodes there on YouTube and it's on C-suite TV. So all of these places where you can engage with it. and I'm interviewing super successful entrepreneurs and I think Matt, you're going to be on my show not too, not too distant future, uh, but I interview them about their story of success. How did they unlock success? And I focus in on the five keys of success and what every entrepreneur uses to unlock that success. So that's what the show's about. It's conversational. Uh, it's a lot of stories. Um, and I I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy doing that podcast.
0: Do you mind giving us the the five P's uh, of success that you've got there?
1: I'd be happy to do it. And I'm gonna do this. I don't often do this when people ask, but but it is part of when I teach it live. I do this and it's in my ebook. There's a five Ps ebook that I wrote that I give away. Um, you can you can get that on my website, but it's it's five P's as in, you know, the, all, they all start with the letter P, but it's It's five keys of success. And so what I'm going to do, I'll, I'll do as a, as an old school teacher, I'm going to do a mnemonic device and I'm going to use my hand. And so Matt, I'm, I'm, you're going to be my guy. So I want you to do, you're going to do the I'm hand signals to. with me. So, so, sure. so here's what we're going to do. So I'm going to teach you the five P's and you're going to learn them and help hopefully remember them by using your hand. So if you're listening to this, <laughs> you're missing out on all the, all the video. <laughs> so go watch, <laughs> go watch Matt's podcast uh, on, on YouTube but so the the first the first p is on the thumb and so you hold up your thumb and that is passion and what passion is this is a key that unlocks success because passion is means willingness to endure. It doesn't just mean I like it, although that's part of what it means. It means willing to endure. And I found that most entrepreneurs who are successful were willing to endure. That's why we call it the passion of the Christ. It wasn't because he was happy to go to the cross. It was because he was willing to do it. That's what the word passion means. So if you can remember when you hold up your thumb, if you're trying to remember the five Ps, kind of like thumb is like, yes. And that's what passion is. All right. So the second one you hold up is your index finger, your pointer finger. And that That is right place, right time. So like you're pointing at something. I'm going to be over there. I want to be over here. That's what the second key or the second P of success is. Right place, right time. And I failed failed to find a single entrepreneur who who was very successful that can't point to a place or a time that had they not been there, they wouldn't be who they are today. And it does not have anything to do with luck. It's about putting yourself in the right place at the right time. It's about accepting that invitation to be on a podcast like, you, like you're doing right now. It's about going to that event. It's about going to that thing. It's about talking to that person. That's place. So you got passion on the thumb, place on the index finger. And now we're going to put our middle finger up, our big middle fingers. And if anybody <laughs> takes a screenshot of this, they're going to think we're flipping them off, but we're not. But what does this finger usually refer to? We're talking about people. It's another P. So the third P is people. And it's on your middle finger to help you remember the third P is people <laughs> the, you got to know the right people. If you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, you've got to know the right people. And again, I failed to find an entrepreneur who's super successful that didn't and couldn't point to a person or person's who push them in the direction. And it could be a positive influence or a negative influence. I've got some negative influences in my life that helped me be the man I am today, as well as the positive influences. And my wife probably being the best positive influence I've got to help me do what I do. So so you got passion on the thumb, you got right place, right time with the pointer finger. You've got knowing the right people on the middle finger. and then the And then the hard one to put up is the ring finger, right? It's the hardest finger to put up by itself. And this is actually the hardest one. And that's preparation. Preparation. Ooh, like do you do you have the know-how to pull this thing off? Because a lot of entrepreneurs say, "Hey, ecom's is this big thing. I want to get into ecom or uh, or biotechnology is this new thing. I want to get into biotechnology." Or what? Well, are you prepared for that? Do you have the know-how to pull that off? What entrepreneurs who are very successful, you can go back and look that their preparation prepared them to be successful in that thing. Now, it doesn't have to be full preparation, but you got to have something. Think back to that book. You've probably read it, Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers. I think people have heard that. And he talks about the ten thousand hours. That's the preparation. Now, do you have ten thousand hours in something? Think back through. What do you? What have you done over ten thousand hours in your life that has prepared you to be successful in this? It could be relationships. It could be skills. It could be knowledge. Whatever it is. So you got passion. You got place. You got people, you got preparation, and then the low the little lowly, mine's crooked. Look at that. See that? My little lowly crooked finger. I have crooked fingers. That's a Duncan family, Duncan family trait. Is that a tr-
0: Is that like a trade or something?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's the part of the Duncan family. All the men have crooked fingers. Um, but anyway, so the the lowest, the smallest finger is is this is the smallest word, plan, P L A N you got to have a good plan. Now, that doesn't mean a business plan because lots of businesses have been very successful. Lots of entrepreneurs have been very successful without a written business plan. But you got to have some sort of plan. How are you going to do what you're going to do? How are you going to get the financial capital to deploy to make the plan work? Those are the five keys. Passion, place, people, preparation, and plan. If you have those five things, you can unlock success. It's guaranteed. If you don't have those keys, it is not likely that you'll be able to unlock that door. Wow, that is huge.
0: Man, um, I, I, I'm, I love the, the, you know, we've got passion, place, people, preparation, and plan. And uh, I, I can't think of a better way to, every bit of that, you know, I, I'm kind of uh, going back and looking at, at all the different pieces to, to what I've put together with, within my own businesses. And every bit of that is, is right there. Um, and, but I will say, I listened to some of your episodes of, of the podcast, you had brought up passion and and willing to endure. And each time I hear that, it kind of gives me chills. I had never heard that before, and I'm not sure where you got it or if you came up with it yourself, but, uh, you know, the, the, the cross analogy and, and the passion of the Christ, it just, uh, it puts it into a different perspective. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, like you said, there, there are those, you know, everybody thinks, oh, entrepreneur, they're, you know, glorious, beautiful life, you know, uh, work, work a couple hours here and then go off to a beach and smoke cigars and, you know, whatever. And, uh, you know, it was so far from that. But to have the passion and I, you know, I try to put everything I've got into the people that are around me. And I, you know, I think value that just the term value is is such a, you know, it's a back and forth. It's got to be me pouring my value into the people that are around me but they're, them pouring that value back in, you know, to the organization and, and, a, and a back and forth piece there. But um, any topics that, uh, that, that you, you would like to cover that you feel like I didn't cover that, that uh, w- would be, you know, uh, good tips or information for, for, uh, for the listeners?
1: Well, I think that the, there's a lot of people who are listening. If they're really interested in exiting the daily operations, get out of the weeds. There's four things you've got to do. And that's what that's what I like. To, that's what I coach on all the time. Number The first thing you've got to do is you've got to embrace delegation if you're going to get out of the weeds of your business, you have to embrace delegation and that delegation could be to people or to technology, but you've got to delegate tasks to other people. You can't be the one, you can't be the hinge upon which your door, the door of your business turns. It's, it's got to be other things. It's got to be delegated out. And so one of the things I coach people is how to use technology, how to use virtual assistants. Um, You know, I had a client call me yesterday and he was worried about paperwork that he had to do. And he doesn't have uh, an admin assistant yet. And I said, Hey, what you're describing is probably two to 400 bucks a month and a virtual assistant in the Philippines that would love to do that work for you. And that'd be a great income for them. And they could do this while you sleep. He's like, Oh, I never thought about that. So I show people, that the number one thing you got to do if you're going to exit is to embrace delegation. The second thing is you've got to eliminate stress. So many entrepreneurs are stressed out all the time and they don't understand why they just think that they're stressed because there's a lot there, there there's big things happening, but that's not true. The reason you're stressed is because you have too many things happening. And if you can get those too many things down to small, just a small list of things, you can eliminate stress from your life. You can eliminate stress from your employees lives and eliminate stress from your business. And once that business is stress-free, then you can start to see the see the light at the end of the tunnel where you can exit the third thing is you got to establish systems and processes and i think most entrepreneurs in the gut level, understand that, but they don't know how to do it. And they don't know what system or process is most important. So what I teach my clients is that the number one thing you have to do is establish your sales system. Your sales system is the number one most important system to establish. So I've sold $25 million worth of products and services over the years. I know how to build systems because I ran wrong ones for a long, long time. And then when I started running right ones, I became a millionaire. That's the difference. And I will show my clients how to establish the right sales system. And then the fourth thing is you got to invest in people. And we talked about this earlier, Matt. We talked about how important it is to invest in people. But there are some unique things you can do with your employees and your customers and your vendors if you invest in them properly, with or without capital. Like There are ways to do it with capital, and there's ways to do it without capital that can set you up to step away from the day-to-day. And that's that's necessary. So those four things are what I teach. In my exit accelerator, it's what I teach And my one-on-one coaching clients, it's what I teach when I speak. Those four steps are the steps to get out of the weeds as the business owner-operator.
0: He is the real Jason Duncan. Uh, Like we said, therealjasonduncan.com. He's got his uh, P-E-A-P, his apprenticeship program. Um, He has laid out so many plans. There's some action there uh, behind those, you know, the five P's, the four uh, pieces there of um, embrace delegation, um, eliminate stress, and that's such a huge one because, like, like you brought up, um, you know the, the 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 stress there. You know, there's a there's a uh, an alley there, I guess you'd say, of you know the lack of fulfillment being you know having having a lot of stress. The 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 stress and fulfillment are kind of two different things. I, I think for me. Uh, stress seems to kind of go away when I'm doing something that fulfills me on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I, I don't know how that works for, for everybody, but might just be me, uh, systems and processes, uh, and invest properly, uh, into employees. Um, I can't thank you enough for stopping by and talking to us today. And, uh, I, I, can't wait to uh, get up to Nashville and, and, um, you know, jump over to your side and, and talk to you a little bit further, but thank you so much for coming on with us today. Um, uh, jump onto our podcast. We've got tons of, uh, tons of guests that are stopping by Jason Duncan. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, sir.
1: Thank you, man. It's been an honor.
0: Yes, sir.